interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming. Oh no! I took an arrow to the knee! Hey, it's Coolio if you don't know, and welcome to another episode of Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM in lovely Halifax. How is everybody doing? It is time to get this weekend started with some great content. And I got some pretty neat stuff for you today, but we are going to start with what is new over at lowbiasgaming.net. Uh, that is, we have two new videos from Jason um, of the game Woten, which is a neat little indie platformer. He also brings us two new episodes of Final Fantasy VII and uh, one more episode of Goodbye Galaxy, the fourth Commander King game. Scarlet, meanwhile, brings us three new episodes of Final Fantasy XII. Uh, as well as three episodes of Orphan Scion of Sorcery, uh, one episode of the Game Boy, uh, rather Game Boy Advance, was it Game Boy Advance or Game Boy Color? One of the two. This is the Commander Keen game on there, and it's not very good, but uh, someone needed to play it. And uh, also three more episodes of Wild Arms Second Ignition from Scarlet. We have a couple of other episodes of Mystery Science Theater up on the forums, including The Magic Voyage of Sinbad, as well as Ega. And, uh, yeah, that pretty much covers what is new over at Lobos Gaming. It is time to get some music going here. And, uh, let's kick off the weekend on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, listening to Square Wave Symphony. Let's get to it. Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. One moment, music. Uh, that was Hiroyuki Masuno with uh, the Joe's Bar theme from today's game from the archives. Now you can go, music. Music. 
Okay, pal, here's the setup. You wake up on the floor and you don't know who you are or how you got there. You're searching through a seedy Chicago casino decorated with one somewhat familiar but very dead body. You gotta find out who you are and who whites the sky. In a hurry. Otherwise, the cops are gonna peg you for murder one. Deja vu. In this case, what you don't know can kill you. This is Deja Vu. It's an adventure game for the Game Boy Color developed by ICOM and published by Kimco and Vatical Entertainment, released in 1999. Uh, so yeah, this is the Game Boy Color version. It's also released for the uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, and it is one of the Mac Ventures, which I believe I've covered um, Shadowgate. No, un Uninvited. Well, both of those games, anyway, are part of the Mac Venture series. This one in particular, you play as Ace Harding, and you have lost your memory. So you need to recover your memory and find out who killed this uh, this one dude that seems to be kind of a big deal around here. Uh, anyway, Jade gives us nine videos of this game, so check it out.
That was uh, Susume Uni by Yadrig, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And speaking of weird, it is time again for the news of the weird. And again, uh, just a little notice that I am looking for a different uh, new weird news digest, uh, similar to the format of news of the weird, um, but not news of the weird because I... I would like to be doing something different from uh, uh, Electric Leftovers. Uh, so if you know of any such thing, let me know uh, on Twitter at SquareSim, S-Y-M. Our lead story... Oh, by the way, some of these stories might not jive well with all audiences. I do not read these stories ahead of time, so I don't know which ones will and which ones won't. This segment is usually about 12 to 14 minutes long, so take that as you will. Our lead story for real this time... Awesome! <laughs> yes. Retirees Marley and Paulo Siquinel of Malero. Malero. Malero? Hmm. In southern Brazil, discovered that discovered a fetishist dream in the vegetable garden behind their home, a 17 and a half pound potato that has grown into the shape of a huge human foot with six toes. The toes descend in size much as human toes do. And uh, let's see. And the, the largest has roots that look like hair. The foot portion of the tuber reaches up to almost knee height. Marley told the mirror, We've never seen anything like it. Paulo said he was a little bit scared when he harvested that potato. The couple don't plan to eat it. Our next story, because I really have nothing to add to that, irony. Tanya Singer, 48, was not a singer. No, uh, well, maybe she wasn't, I don't know. Anyway, Tanya Singer, a renowned neuroscientist, uh-huh, see, uh, who is one of the world's top researchers on human empathy, has been accused by coworkers of being a bully. Whenever anyone had a meeting with her, there was at least an even chance they would come out in tears, one colleague told Science Magazine. Others said the daily working environment included threats and emotional abuse, the Washington Post reported on August 12th. For her part, Singer denied the most serious charges and said, The workload and pressure increasing led to stress and strain that in turn sometimes caused inadequate communication with my staff in problem situations. The Max Planck Institute for Human Cognitive and Brain Sciences in Leipzig, Germany, where Singer has her lab, granted Singer a sabbatical in 2017 and said in a statement that when she returns, it is envisioned that Professor Singer will head, at her own request, a considerably smaller working group for social neuroscience. Well, yeah, irony, yes. Um, let's move on. Our next story is bold. In, a, in Columbus, Ohio, workers repairing a street on August 8th hit an, an unmarked water main causing homes along the road to lose water. 
One man couldn't be deterred from finishing his shower though. WCMH-TV reported that after streaming from his porch, I was in the <coughs> shower. The unidentified resident finished his morning toilet on the street in the geyser from the pipe. Facebook user Cody Vickers took a picture of two astonished crew members as Mr. Clean rinsed off nearby. Mr. Clean? Really? You're gonna use Mr. Clean? Mr. Clean doesn't talk and he, mu he much less swears. Anyway, let us move on. Solving the wrong problem? Quite possibly. In Paris, the designer of a recently installed urinoir, a sidewalk urinal on the Isle of the, the uh, Ile Saint Louis, uh, says the new device offers an eco solution to public peeing. But Reuters reports that nearby residents and business owners are unhappy about the urinals, saying they are immodest and ugly and will incite exhibitionism. The urinoir, a mashup of the French words for urinal and sidewalk, looks much like a, pa a plastic trash receptacle, and local mayor Ariel Whale says they're necessary. If we don't do anything, then men are just going to pee in the streets. Hmm. How should I handle this without inciting an international incident? I know, let's move on to the next story. Oops. No, the actual headline is oops. Anyway. Colorado Mesa University in Grand Junction, Colorado is footing the bill for a possible $46,000 reprint job after a recent graduate found a typo on his diploma. Alec Williams, former editor of the school's newspaper, was examining his sheepskin when he found a line reading Cord of Trustees instead of Board of Trustees under one of the signatures. There was this moment of laughing at it. And the more I thought about it, the more frustrated I got because I'm sitting on $30,000 worth of debt and they can't take the time to use spell check, he said. CMU President Tim Foster told the Grand Junction Daily Sentinel that the school will send out corrected diplomas to 2018 grads, but the typo goes back to 2012 diplomas. Those graduates can request a new diploma if they want to. This mistake is all ours, he said. 2012? You'd think someone would have noticed by now. I mean, maybe someone has noticed, but... Maybe they're just so happy to, to actually have that document that they just kind of went with it. So saith the Cord of Trustees. Anyway, step aside, cat ladies! Oh boy. Um, agents of Columbus, Ohio, Humane, executed a warrant on a home in the Clintonville neighborhood on August 14th in response to complaints about birds inhabiting the home. Columbus Humane CEO Rachel Finley told the Columbus Dispatch that concerns about the birds' well-being were warranted. Officials found more than 600 birds inside, including macaws, African gray parrots, Amazon parrots, and other species. It's pretty overwhelming to step into the house, Finney said. Removal took all day and Columbus, Columbus Humane was undertaking the task of examining each bird from beak to tail. 
Finney said the agency would decide which birds might be adoptable after assessments are complete. As for the owner, she said, We're confident we'll have charges. It's just a matter of which charges and how many. Yeah, 600 birds? I can't imagine the smell. All I can say is ew, which is also our next headline. Dr. J. Kurt Stager and his colleagues, researchers at Paul Smith's College, have released results from a study showing that Walden Pond, made famous by naturalist Henry David Thoreau in the mid-1800s, is an ecological disaster thanks to human urine. The pond was declared a National Historic Landmark in 1962 and the site in Concord, Massachusetts draws hordes of tourists each year. But NBC News reports that swimmers urinating in the water for generations is most likely uh, the most likely cause of high levels of nitrogen, nitrogen and phosphorus in the pond that cause algae to spread and block the sun's rays, devastating the fish population. The study authors suggest building a swimming pool nearby to take pressure off the pond. Here's an idea. More restrooms? Yeah, I agree with this article. Because if you just build a swimming pool, then you're just going to have people peeing in the pool. That's not really an e well, Ecologically, I suppose it's better, but... Gross. Anyway. Obsession. Because this has not been weird enough. Oh, I... Wait. Yeah, I've seen the story. Chen Sanyuan, 69, of New, P New Taipei City, Taiwan, has taken his gaming obsession to another level. Uncle Pokemon, as the Feng Shui master is known around him, has mounted 11 smartphones on the handlebars of his bicycle so that he can better play Pokemon Go. Hmm. United Press International reported that Chen sometimes stays out until 4 a.m. playing the virtual game. His habit costs him $1,300 per month, but he's not daunted. He hopes to expand his phone lineup to 15. I've seen some pretty, um, devoted players of this game. This is not devotion. This is... This isn't even fanaticism. This is... Oh my goodness. Anyway. Let's get on with some animal antics. German police took a baby squirrel into custody on August 9th, following an incident in which it chased a grown man down the street. The Guardian reported that an unnamed man summoned Karlsruhe... Karlsruhe? Oh. Karlsruhe police when he could not change uh, when he could not shake the tiny squirrel. But when officers arrived, the squirrel suddenly lay down and went to sleep. Officers felt sorry for the exhausted little rodent who apparently had been separated from its mom as was and was looking for a replacement in the terrified man. The police named their new mascot Carl Friedrich, then took him to an animal rescue center where he was doing very well. And here's an update. Workers at the rescue center later determined that the squirrel was a girl and renamed her Pipilata. They expect her to return to the wild in September. Kinda silly, kinda cute. That's, that's exactly what we needed after that bunch of stories. But wait, there's more animal antics. At the Puy de Faux historical uh, theme park in Vendy, France, uh, cleaning up litter is always a problem, but less so now that six 
quote, particularly intelligent crows are being trained to pick up litter, according to Sky News. Nicolas de Villiers, a president of the park, said that each time a crow drops a cigarette butt or a piece of trash in the, into a bin, it will be rewarded with a small nugget of food. The birds were set out to begin their duties on August 17th. Crows are pretty smart, after all. And, um... You know what? Equal opportunity, employment, for all, including the crows. Our last story for today, Extreme Measures. Your city may not have the dubious pleasure of paper-minute electric scooters yet, but in some places the handy people transports have overstayed their welcome. The Los Angeles Times reported on August 10th that angry residents are throwing bird scooters off balconies, heaving them into the ocean, stuffing them into trash cans, and setting them afire. Robert Johnson Bay, a Venice Beach maintenance worker, said, Sunday I was finding kickstands everywhere. Looks like they were snapped off. What's worse, the perpetrators are documenting their destruction on social media. Instagram has a bird graveyard account devoted to chronicles of scooter desecration. Culver City resident Hassan Galadari, 32, has a visceral reaction to the scooters. I hate birds more than anyone, he said. They suck. People who ride them suck. However, he has stopped defacing them. I can't but put bad energy into the world. I don't even kick them over anymore. It seems to me like you're a veritable font of bad energy if you're... <sighs> Some people, man. Some people and their irrational hatred for inanimate objects that are just there to carry people from point A to point B. Let them live their life. Let the birds free. Wait, no, that's... Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here. Maybe it is time for the weather. Yes, it is in fact time for the weather. It is currently 22 degrees and mostly cloudy here in Halifax with a humidex of 25. Uh, looking at partly cloudy skies tonight and a low of 16. Uh, looking at rain on Saturday, August 18th, a 6% chance of showers and a high of 22 going down to a low of 17 and almost definite rain at night. Uh, Sunday, August 19th, sunny and a high of 25 during the day, going down to a low of 15 degrees at night and clear skies. Monday, August 20th, which is the day, by the way, that the Halifax Transit will be rolling out their new bus routes. Um, so just a heads up on that. 30% chance of showers and a high of 20 degrees, going down to a low of 16 degrees at night and that same 30% chance of showers. Uh, Tuesday, August, August 21st, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 20, going down to a low of 16 degrees at night and cloudy periods. Wednesday, August 27th, 27th, 22nd, uh, cloudy and a high of 21 degrees, going down to a low of 18 degrees and a 6% chance of showers. And that 6% chance of showers will persist on Thursday, August 23rd, where we're looking at a high of 22 degrees. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
That was Showdown by Squeezy, a.k.a. Metal Master, and you are listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And today, I want to talk about a game. And that game would be Octopath Traveler. This is a Japanese-style RPG for the Nintendo Switch, developed by Square Enix, Division 11, and Acquire, published by Nintendo and released in North America on July 13, 2018. Similar to Square's Saga games of old, Octopath Traveler follows the story of not one but rather eight different characters. Unlike its predecessors, however, those stories all take place at the same time rather than a player choosing one and running it through to the end before picking another. As full disclosure, I haven't finished this game yet. I have, however, finished everyone's first chapter, so I'll be reviewing the portion of the game which I have played so far. First, let's talk about the presentation of the game. Personally, I've always had a soft spot for 2D sprites running around in the 3D world. That's exactly what you're in for in this game, and it's done in a very interesting way. Some people might not be a fan of the the focus pull effect, which happens as the player runs from the front of the scene to the back, but I find it to be a nice touch for the most part. Admittedly, it can get a little intrusive intrusive while treasure hunting, but it does encourage searching every bit of the map for secrets. The music and sound are pretty much standard Square Enix fare. It's good and it doesn't get tiresome, but it also it isn't particularly anything home uh, to anything to write home about. This game is also partially voiced with the option of English or Japanese voice acting without having to download an additional voice pack. As I usually do, I've picked Japanese, and it sounds pretty good. My biggest gripe about the presentation is the fact that the camera angle is stationary. Considering that so many games nowadays have free-moving cameras, it's difficult to get used to dealing with the camera just kind of sitting there and doing its own thing. I think they might be trying to evoke a feeling of classic gaming along with the rest of the graphics style, but this decision is to their detriment. Now, let's take a look at the gameplay. You play as a huntress in a village which which speaks Middle English for some reason, off to explore the wild to find her friend who has been away on a hunt for over a year. You also play as a girl whose adoptive father has gotten sick and decides to take on her sister's burden so she can stay with him. And as a master thief stuck in a contract due to a blunder on his latest heist. And as a former knight who just learned that his ex-colleague is still skulking around, a dancer with a Batman plotline, a medicine man and a merchant girl, both with a touch of the wanderlust, and a professor who thinks he's Sherlock Holmes. Hey, it wouldn't be called Octopath Traveler if there weren't eight paths in it. Unless it involved octopi somehow. Have you dealt with octopi? Have you really? I don't think you have. The game starts by having the player select one of the eight playable characters and playing through their prologue in the first chapter. And went with Hanit, the Huntress. The story begins with her friend and trainer Master Zanta heading off on a hunt which he claims shouldn't take more than a couple of months. A year later, however, he is still not back. One day, the village headman asks Hani to train the youths of the, uh, of the village in the ways of the hunter. That's when I was told that I could provoke NPCs into battle. 
pretty much any time I want. So after beating up everyone in town, we learn of a strange beast nearby that has been terrorizing the place, killing people just for the sake of killing, and we've been charged with killing it and ending the slaughter. So after beating up everyone in town, we head to the forest where we meet our first boss, the, Je the deadly Jazarma. We take it down, tend to the dead humans, and return to the village where we find Zanta's wolf Hagen, but not Zanta himself. Hanit immediately figures that there must be some trouble, some trouble brewing, so she decides to go forth and search for her master. So after beating everyone up in town, we, well, we have options. Either keep going solo, which is a, a silly idea, or go find another one of our travelers. Now, how do I remember all these details so clearly while my memory sucks? Well, the game keeps every cutscene in a journal, so they can be reviewed later on. Neat, huh? If you're playing through the demo, which is limited to three hours of play and paying attention to the story, you'll probably have time for two, maybe three characters. If you're rushing through, you might get a couple more. Personally, I'd love to see a speedrun of the demo, which concentrates on rushing through all eight in the fastest time. By the way, the, the game is difficult the game's difficulty seems to be adaptive to some degree. While the player is traveling solo, the start areas will be easier to get through. Once you start building a party, the first area, which used to be danger level 7, is now danger level 11. Whether this change affects the entire game or only the starter areas, I can't say, but it's a nice touch, adding difficulty to the game only when the player is most likely ready to take the extra load. That's another game, uh, another thing this game does, which I haven't seen other games do. Danger levels. When the player enters or even just approaches a new area, a pop-up is seen at the bottom of the screen showing the name of the area and the average level the travelers need to be, in order should be rather, in order to take it on. No more stumbling into late game areas and getting unexpectedly trounced, unless one is feeling particularly foolhardy, I guess. Now, remember how I said Hanit can beat up uh, people in town at will? Every one of the travelers has one of four field skills, battle, invite, question, and obtain. However, there are two ways to invoke each one. For battle, which allows for, uh, the player to fight an NPC one-on-one, -on -one, Ulbricht's challenge requires a certain level for any given NPC, but gives you full access to the battle commands. Meanwhile, Hani's provoke allows one to, ch uh, to challenge at any point, but only beast commands and support items are available and reputation is lost if she's defeated. For invite, which temporarily adds a summonable support, uh, support NPC any time, uh, sorry, to the party. Ophelia's Guide also has level requirements, while Primrose's Allure can be done anytime but is probability based and failing cost reputation. For Question, which allows the player to glean facts about the world, quests, and hidden items, Elfin's Inquire also has a level requirement, while Cyrus's Scrutinize is probability based and hurts reputation on failure. Finally, for Obtain, Tressa's Purchase allows uh, the player to buy items from an NPC, while Therian's Steal allows him to yoink those same items, but lose reputation if he's caught. 
Failing five reputation checks in a town will cause an, uh, its NPCs to stop responding to field skills entirely until the player heads to the tavern and pays the barkeep a potentially exorbitant amount of money to spread a bunch of sweet little lies so they'll cooperate again. Social engineering! Yeah! The system works! In addition to the main story, there are plenty of side quests to keep the player busy. However, don't expect any hand-holding. The game will show uh, where to start these side quests, but won't guide the player with convenient little arrows or map markers for them to tell them where to go or what to find. They'll need to actually go out and be a social butterfly sometimes, figuring out what items to get, who to talk to, what skills are needed, who to invite into the party in order to bring them to their destination, and sometimes to find out where that destination even is. This is more or less adventuring in its purest form, and I'm trying really hard not to succumb and go look up a guide online or something. There's more to this game that I haven't mentioned, and probably plenty more that I haven't even discovered yet, but overall, Octopath Traveler is definitely a game for the classic RPGs, uh, RPG lovers out there. However, however, it is by no means lighthearted. If you're the type of player who's just looking for the point and kill style of game, you may not quite get your money's worth. If meanwhile you're, look, you're the type to explore and delve into a rich world full of surprises and twists, then you're likely to find plenty of it in Octopath Traveler. So what do you guys think of the game? Um, yeah, send me a tweet over at uh, Square Sim, and uh, let me know your reactions to the game. Let me see. Let me see how far you've gotten. Let me see what sort of inventory, what sort of secrets that you might have found in the game. Even if it is spoilery, don't. I will say, don't like expressly spoil the game, but. You know, share your share your screenshots, share your progress, share your stories. That's what we're here for, I suppose. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Let's get some music going, shall we?
that was Decisive Battle 1 from Na- Yasunori Nishiki. We've listened to that now. That was Decisive Battle 1 by Yasunori Nishiki from the Octopath Traveler uh, soundtrack. And you are listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And uh, for this next segment, I found a thing. Yes, I found a thing, and I will share that thing with you in a segment that I like to call I Found a Thing. I know, great name, right? Um, so, we all know Michael Michael Jackson died back in 2009, and we all know that there are some bad things that people will say about Michael Jackson, or we're not here to talk about those. Uh, there are also some. There are also plenty of good things to say about Michael Jackson, and um, he was actually kind of almost a springboard for one particular uh, artist that is pretty well known for his craft nowadays. Uh, this is an article written uh, on what was it July 9th, two thousand nine, on Rolling Stone, titled. Well, let's not go with the title just yet. But um, it's, it is an article about imitation as flattery, and it is written by the person in question himself, Weird Al Yankovic. The first time around I pursued Michael Jackson about a song parody, it was a shot in the dark. We're talking about the most popular and famous person in the known universe, and here I was, this goofy comedy songwriter. He not only returned our phone calls, but he approved it. He thought it was a funny idea. Then we, then when we did the second parody, Fat, he was nice enough to let us use his subway set for the video, so he's always been very supportive. The first time I met him in person was long after I had gotten permission to do Eat It back in 1984. There is a contract somewhere that has his signature next to mine proving that we are the co-writers of Eat It, which is surrealistic in and of itself. The first time I actually ran into him was backstage at one of his concerts. This was maybe four years later when Even Worse came out with my second parody, Fat. I went backstage and he was seeing a lot of people, but I brought along a gold record of Even Worse to present to him, and he was very gracious and thanked me for it and said some nice things. After the fact, I thought, that's probably the last thing Michael Jackson needs, another gold record for his storage locker. Seeing him in person was amazing. It was otherworldly. He uh, he was and continues to be so iconic. It's hard to even conceive of him as a human being. He always was bigger than life. Our second meeting was at a TV show taping. He was performing Black or White, and I remember Slash was on stage, and I talked to Michael briefly afterwards. He told me he would play my movie UHF for his friends at Neverland Ranch, and he was very soft-spoken, very quiet, but always very friendly to me. I considered parodying Black and White around that time. Michael wasn't quite so into it because he thought Black and White was more of a message song, and he didn't feel as comfortable with the parody of that one, which I completely understood, and in a way, he did me a huge favor because... I was already getting pegged as the guy who did Michael Jackson parodies, and because he wasn't so into it, I decided to go with Nirvana, who, which wound up revitalizing my career. I don't know what kind of career I would have today if it hadn't been for Michael Jackson. In a, re- in a very real sense, he jump-started my career. 
Edith basically changed me from an unknown into a guy that got recognized at Burger King. That does sound like a very Weird Al thing to say, doesn't it? People that get recognized at Burger King. Number one, Weird Al, apparently. Number two, probably Michael Jackson. Num number three, um, Sting? Maybe? I don't know. I'm just coming up with this list kind of on the fly right now. Um, yeah. So as you can see, Michael Jackson did, was a very positive influence to some people, and maybe it's best that we just remember him that way. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
And that was Watch Us Burn by Sean Daly, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
that last one was Chibi Noise with Journey, and that is about it for today. I hope you had fun. I sure had fun. This was an interesting episode, to say the least. But um, I will be back next week with stuff and things and things and stuff and stuff in place of things and things in place of stuff. But at this point, I'm rambling, so maybe it's just better to go right to the end credits. Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast by Jason Parton of Low Bias Gaming, lowbiasgaming.net. News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McNeil Syndication, News of the Weird. Com. Segment music composed by Format, Madame Namiki, Noriyuki Kamikura, Simon Weddington, Yes, Nori Nishiki, Pink Projects, and Ensnare. Stay tuned for the Astrology Show coming up next on CKDU, followed by the Witching Hour Earth and Sky at 7 p.m. and the Vinyl Factory at 8.30. Comments, questions, want your chiptunes featured on the show? Email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim. You can also call the CKDU feedback line at 902-494-8041. This has been the uh, Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio if you don't know, and I'll see you guys next time.